you're listening to Nonprofit Confidential, episode number 25. Welcome back to Nonprofit Confidential. I'm your host, Sheila Nimishakavi, and I'm thrilled that you've joined me here today. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever look at your calendar and cringe when you see the amount of time blocked off for meetings because you know you could get so much more done if you could just spend that time actually working? Or have you ever walked out of a meeting and thought to yourself, well, that was a huge waste of time? We've all been there. It's so frustrating to schedule your day around meetings and try to squeeze work in between meetings instead of the other way around. While there is some satisfaction in commiserating about the misery of meetings, they are an inevitable part of working, so we need to figure out how we can make them better, and unfortunately, it's not something anyone really teaches you. But there is actually a proven way to facilitate meetings that improves morale and the outcome of meetings so that when we do have to hold them, we can ensure that they are an efficient use of our time. This episode is actually a training that I held within nonprofit scholars, and it was so positively received that I wanted to make sure that everyone who would find this information useful would have access to it. So you'll hear me refer to slides and talking about what's on the screen because this is a recording from the webinar. And there's also a worksheet that I talk a little bit about. So if you're not a member of Nonprofit Scholars, you won't have access to that information, but you will learn the basics of effectively running a meeting. Okay, without further ado, here is my training on effective meeting facilitation. Welcome scholars to Meeting Facilitation Finesse. So let's be honest, we've all been in those meetings that seem to drag on forever where we just go around and around the same topic or meetings that get way off course. We've also been in meetings where we leave wondering what was the point of that? It's so frustrating to feel as if that time could have been spent better. And if you feel this way, you are not alone. At some point in our careers, we all have to facilitate meetings, whether it's the entire meeting or just our piece of the agenda. That's why learning how to facilitate a meeting properly is so important. We want our coworkers and colleagues to be impressed with our facilitation skills, and we want them to know that when we call for a meeting, it's going to serve a purpose. So on this webinar, we're going to cover three general areas. First, we'll dig into what makes meetings unproductive and take a look at some of these statistics. Then we'll deconstruct a meeting so that we can learn exactly what it takes to qualify a meeting as effective. Lastly, we'll chat about what the research shows regarding meeting facilitation best practices. The reality is, studies show that there is widespread dissatisfaction with meetings, from how they are run to what they actually accomplish. But they continue to be the cornerstone of how we all work together in teams, from weekly check-ins so we all know what we are working on, 
to one-on-ones to get feedback, and board meetings, stakeholder meetings, you name it. Meetings are how businesses convey information. As much time as we spend in meetings, how much time do we really think about how to run them well? Typically, not very much time and training is spent on an activity that we all do and that takes up a ginormous amount of our time. And the thing is, poor meetings can actually be costing your organization. Studies show that while people are in meetings, 90% of them are actually daydreaming. We've all been there. 73% of meeting participants do other work in meetings, and 25% of meeting time is spent on irrelevant topics. So I want you to do me a favor real quick and just take a glance at your calendar. How much time are you already booked to spend in meetings this week? All of that time is spent possibly not being productive. Imagine how much closer you would be toward achieving your mission if unproductive meetings weren't taking over your calendar. Okay, so unproductive meetings are rampant, but what exactly does it take for a meeting to be qualified as unproductive or ineffective? The literature shows that there are five commonly cited problems with meetings that leave participants feeling as if the meeting was ineffective. The pace of the meeting. So rushing through the agenda items to knock them out quickly and get on with your day. Or the opposite, meetings that drag on and on. Another quality is poor meeting design. This means meetings don't have a clear goal or agenda. Or, and this is an interesting one, inadequately preparing participants for the meeting. So if there's pre-meeting work that should have been done prior to the meeting to make it more effective, a poor meeting design would be asking participants to show up without giving them the time or the awareness to do the pre-meeting work. Next, we have poor focus. So wandering off topic and discussing irrelevant information. We saw from our statistics that 25% of meeting time is spent on irrelevant information, so this is a big one. Lack of closure. This is when meetings conclude, but there is no identifiable outcome. This might best be illustrated with an example. So let's say you are meeting with your team to determine a venue for your upcoming conference. You've allotted one hour to discuss the options and pick the best one. Now, let's say 15 minutes or so of that one hour is spent talking about irrelevant information, such as who the conference speakers are. And when your one hour is up, you still haven't chosen a venue for the conference. But your valuable time together has come to a close. So that is what lack of closure is. The meeting ended, but you didn't achieve your goal. And then the fifth quality is poor process, meaning participants don't feel actively engaged, there's little discussion, or the higher-ups in the meeting dominate the conversation. I'm sure we've all been in meetings that had one or more of these qualities, and you may be thinking, okay, so what? Meetings suck. It's just one of those quirks about working. Here's the thing. Poor meetings can actually be costing your nonprofit. In the short term, the negative effects of unproductive and ineffective meetings can linger for a couple of hours after the meeting in what is known as meeting recovery syndrome. Yeah, there's actually a name for it. 
So this is when meeting participants grumble with each other after the meeting. And maybe there's like that after the meeting meaning. You know what I mean? Where participants commiserate over how useless that was or what a waste of time that meeting was. In the midterm, meetings can literally cost your organization hard-earned dollars. It is estimated that $30 billion a year is wasted on unproductive meetings in the U.S. alone. And finally, in the long term, you're going to lose quality staff. We all went into nonprofits to make an impact, to create change. So when our time is spent on unproductive meetings, that means that that's time we're not being inspired and we feel like we're not making a difference. And if you don't feel like you're making a difference, you're going to find a new nonprofit where you can feel that way. It's only fair. So given how much negativity surrounds meetings, should we just do away with them completely? No, I don't think so. While we can definitely do away with some meetings, they aren't all bad. Meetings do serve an important purpose after all. They bring individuals together to work as a team. You feel like you're a part of a community when you problem solve together. It also helps us coordinate individual duties so that we can coherently address our mission. As a scholar, as you develop yourself as a professional, effectively facilitating meetings is a huge part of your development. You don't want to be that leader whose meetings no one wants to attend. Rather, You want to be known for running effective meetings that inspire and produce results. So, how do you do that? Let's deconstruct the components of an effective meeting, taking them step by step. And let's take it way back and define what a meeting is. A meeting can be defined as an interaction that utilizes a set of resources to transform the group's present problem state into its desired future state through a series of action steps. The resources we have during a meeting are the people involved, and if you have any technology, you can include that as a resource. The transformation is accomplishing the meeting outcomes, and the action steps make up the agenda. Let's work through this definition backwards and start with the agenda items or action steps. There are three types of action steps, which include sharing information, seeking input for a decision, or making a decision. My tip for you is that when you look at an agenda or create an agenda, make sure to categorize each agenda item into one of these three categories so you know how to guide the discussion and you know when that discussion is over. Overall, the process of the meeting has two outcomes, the task outcome and the relational outcome. In terms of the task outcome, meetings bring people together to accomplish a task, and this task is the content of the meeting. The relational outcome is that in order to accomplish the task, we need to create and maintain positive emotions and promote working together effectively. So the task outcome and the relational outcome need to be achieved simultaneously. While we often think of meetings as just the time that we spend gathered around the conference table, meetings are actually made up of three stages, pre-meeting, meeting, and the post-meeting. Out of these three phases, the pre-meeting phase should get the most of your attention. 
During this phase, you're going to clarify what the desired outcomes of the meeting are, draft the agenda, determine who needs to show up, basically all of the pieces that make a meeting productive get put together during this pre-meeting phase, so it's incredibly important. An effective design focuses on formulating the problem and outcomes to be addressed during the meeting. When you get together a group of participants, there should be clarity around why the meeting is called to begin with. And when your participants know why they are meeting and the outcomes you are working towards together as a group, they're more likely to come prepared to discuss and actively participate in the meeting. Once you have identified the problem, and desired outcomes for the meeting, then you'll draft an agenda. So start the agenda with the description of the purpose of the meeting and the desired outcomes. For instance, let's go back to our conference example. The problem might be, we don't have a venue for our upcoming conference. So the purpose of this meeting is to discuss venue options and identify our top three venues. Ideally, this agenda will get sent around to participants prior to the meeting and not just right before, but give them enough time so they can review the agenda items and add any input they might have. Soliciting input from participants greatly increases the likelihood that they will remain engaged. When drafting the agenda items, make sure the items that make it to the agenda are topics that affect the entire group. This is valuable group time, so you don't want to add agenda items that only pertain to a few of the members. You can talk to them separately. Next, you want to phrase agenda items as questions. This was actually a new one for me, so I'm excited to pass it along to you. Questions enable the team to better prepare for the discussion because they can come up with an answer. Typically, agenda items are described as short phrases. So for instance, Brainstorm conference venue options might be one agenda item, but it's pretty vague. Now, if we change that to, what are your favorite conference venues? Participants can now come up with ideas right away. Another benefit of listing agenda items as questions is that you know when the discussion gets off track. If what the group is talking about doesn't answer the question at hand, it's irrelevant. And finally, questions alert the team to when it's time to move on to the next agenda item. Once you've answered the question, the discussion on that topic is done. Finally, identify the appropriate participant to lead each part of the discussion. Research shows that when attendees take part in meeting facilitation, they feel as if the meeting was more productive and effective. That's why leaders often feel like their meetings are really good, because they're the ones facilitating the meeting and the most active, whereas attendees might have been zoned out the entire time. Next, really consider who should be a part of the meeting. If a potential attendee won't have any value to add or gain, they really shouldn't be in the room. Or if only a tiny segment of the meeting applies to them, perhaps just let them know you'll fill them in later. The three questions that you see on your screen are from Harvard Business Review's Plan a Better Meeting with Design Thinking. So these are some questions you can consider next time you convene a meeting. Next, you want to make sure that ground rules are established. 
A lot of times when you have an external facilitator come into your organization to run a staff meeting or a strategic planning session, rules will be established. So I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. As a group, you say, these are the ground rules that we all agree to. It's typically on giant flipboard and stuck up on the wall. Well, these are necessary on an ongoing basis as well, not just for those big meetings. Remember, one important outcome of a meeting is that relational aspect. We want to make sure that as a facilitator, we are promoting a positive meeting environment and ground rules allow us to do that. You don't have to go over these ground rules at every single meeting, but perhaps you can include them on your agenda as a gentle reminder to participants. Finally, in the pre-meeting phase, you'll inform your invited participants of any pre-meeting work they should do in order to show up to the meeting prepared and ready to discuss the agenda items. This could maybe include reviewing the last month's meeting, or in the case of our example of identifying conference venues, perhaps they could do some research and come to the meeting prepared to propose three of their favorite conference venues. When you have limited time, it's important to set yourself up for success. So asking your participants to do some pre-meeting work is critical. Okay, so now that we've done all of the preparation for our meeting, the next phase is the meeting phase. During this phase, the facilitator has two responsibilities, to maintain the structure of the meeting and to provide support. In terms of structure, You've created the agenda, so now you need to hold your team to that frame that you've built. For instance, once each agenda item, phrased as a question, has been answered, the facilitator recognizes the question has been answered and moves the group along to the next question to be addressed. Importantly, facilitators ensure that a positive work environment is established and supports the group in creating constructive relationships by minimizing disruptions and keeping the group on task. I think the function of a meeting facilitator is best described by this quote from Paul Axtell, who says, Skillful facilitation creates a flow to the conversation, elicits diverse viewpoints, and achieves meeting objectives with clear direction and alignment moving forward. To help you facilitate the flow of conversation, here are some tips from the literature that examined what promotes a positive meeting experience. First, more structured meetings are better than less structured meetings. Structure helps address those five problems that we talked about at the beginning of this webinar. Pace, poor focus, poor meeting design, lack of closure, and poor process. By creating a structure and holding the group to it, you can eliminate all five of of those problems. Second, maintain focus on the task goals by discussing task procedures. So clearly indicate how you will move through each agenda item. If the agenda items are phrased as questions, you can say once each question is answered, we'll move on to the next item. Or you can introduce time structures such as we'll allot 5 minutes for general updates, 10 minutes for item 1, 15 minutes for item 2, and so forth. Third, encourage broad participation. Remember, people get the most out of meetings when they are actively engaged. And finally, 
Emphasize consensus over majority votes. Consensus ensures everyone is bought into the outcome of the meeting. So while it might be quicker and easier to go with the majority vote, participants will feel more positively about the outcome and ultimately more positively about their experience in the meeting and in their job if a consensus is reached. Okay, on to the last phase of a meeting, the post-meeting phase. This is the easiest and quickest of the three phases. Here, all you want to do is ensure immediate distribution of any notes and action items from the meeting to keep that momentum going. So while it does take some planning and forethought, it is possible to design an effective meeting and to consistently improve upon meeting facilitation. I don't expect you to walk away from this webinar and implement everything you've learned here. But now that you're aware that there is a way to achieve success in meetings, they don't all have to drag on and feel like a waste of time, you can move closer to best practices. Of course, one way to do this is to track your results. So solicit feedback from meeting participants, analyze your performance during annual reviews, seek out further training, and most importantly, practice. A great place to start is by downloading the meeting agenda template that you can find where you're watching this webinar. This webinar was also packed full of research, and you can find links to all of the studies that I referred to on the resources PDF, also where you're watching this webinar. That way, you can dig further into the research if you'd like. And if you have any questions, submit them over to me for our Q&A session or to the online community. That's it for this training on meeting facilitation finesse. I will see you in the next webinar. All right. I really hope that you gained some new insight into effective meeting facilitation from this episode. And if you did enjoy the episode and gained a lot of value from it, I really encourage you to join Nonprofit Scholars. Within this program, we take topics and really help you apply the information to your work, so we take learning further than your standard webinar. For more information on how to join, please visit nonprofitscholars.com, and there you can find out when the doors to this program will open up again. For notes from this episode, as always, you can visit thirdsuite.com forward slash 25. All right. I hope you have a fantastic day. I will talk to you next week.